Welcome to the Julie Salant Podcast, the place to reconnect to your heart and live your soul purpose. This is where you will find inspiring information on how to reconnect to your heart, get into mind-body-spirit alignment, and step into your personal power. Together, we will hear messages from the sacred animal kingdom, discuss how to reframe success that works best for you, and learn to step into divine flow, allowing you to do what your soul came here to do. Thank you for being here. And now, let's tune in to today's show. I am super excited today. I have an amazing guest. Her name is Melinda Broadstone. She is a holistic performance and success strategist. Let me just read a little bit of her bio. She's a author, a speaker. She works with practitioners, coaches, and mentors, those who are ready to be seen and heard in a bigger way and have more impact. She also is very intuitive and she sheds light on the blind spots that hinder success and fulfillment. And we can all use that <laughs> in our lives, Melinda. And she's a bridge basically between business, holistic healing, traditional medicine, and coaching. So she has a unique view and skills to address her clients' needs. Thank you for being here, Melinda. I'm psyched that you finally made it. We're together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited too, Julie. It's been a while since we uh, met back at the podcast summit. Yes, it has. Back in the it spring. Has. Yes. Yeah. Time, Time I can't long. believe it's already the end of the year. I can't even, can't, can't grasp it. Oh, I know. But anyways, I am, I am I'm delighted to be on the show, even though we had a few few postponements, and um, I'm excited to get started today. It's meant to be, right? It's just yeah. the way it is. It's meant to be. So tell all the listeners, if you would, maybe take us back and t- give us a little bit of your background and how you started to kind of do the great work that you do in working with clients. Uh, sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I'm going to start briefly at the age of 12 when things, you know, were a little rocky on the home front, at least from my perspective and not being, not feeling like I was being seen or heard. And so my girlfriend and I were sitting on the back stoop and we had this conversation and at the end, we both kind of had this light bulb that, well, we're here because we just need to be the best people we can be. And so this, this was, I mean, it sound, doesn't sound that significant, right? It was just a conversation when you're 12 years old, but it was something that like resonated from deep within and it's carried me through um, my whole progression and will always be there. It's just, it's just part of what kind of drives me, but it's all on a, like a subconscious level. So what it's done for me is it's taken me on a path of, um, really just being led. I mean, most of the really amazing teachers that I've had, um, people just said, Hey, you know, friends would say, Hey, I met this person or I went to this workshop and, and you really have to do this. You're going to love it. And I wouldn't think twice. I would just go, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Intuitively. (laughs) (laughs) And I would show up and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like one of the most important things in my life. So that's how I met my Qigong teacher. That's how I met, uh, who was Master Hao and Rosalind Greer, who's an international healer who I studied, I've studied healing with forever. And, um, 
became part of uh, her healing ministry. And um, yeah, and all that was kind of going on as I graduated from college in occupational therapy and started my practice. And so alongside that, I'm like, okay, I've got all these problem solving skills and these rehab skills. Um, and yet I was like, well, there's gotta be more. There's something underneath all of this that makes a difference in terms of people's healing and people's ability to be their best and to be happy and have a fulfilling life. And so I just kept searching. And really what I found was at, at the bottom of everything is that it's all about the energy. And it's all about. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you nodding over there. In a good that. way, yes. Say something. <laughs> yes, no, no, you got it. You're on the money. This is good. <laughs> so, and from a science, you know, I'm very much a science geek. So I had to study with people who, um, who could help me make sense of this from a real life perspective. And so my Chinese Qigong master, and which is, that's all about energy. Um, he, he was, a um, uh, he was a specialist in, uh, light technology, but, but an engineer in it. Uh, so he was an engineer and he came from it from a very kind of scientific approach, but, um, and didn't emphasize the spiritual part, but that was anytime you go inward and you're working at the subtle levels, it, it's spiritual work. How are you working with your clients today? Yes, today. Um, so I transitioned out from the medical field even though I was integrating all of the healing and energy work and the mindset kinds of things, at some point I decided that I really wanted to make an impact um, through other people, you know, because at some point you gather enough knowledge and experience and you just want to pass it on and make more of an impact in the world. So I decided that if I were to work with healthy adults, who have a mission, uh, they don't have to be entrepreneurs, but quite a few of them are entrepreneurs, that I could really make a difference, that I, if I could help them be their best, if I could help them stand in their power, if I could help them be seen and heard and have the confidence to do all of the things that they want to do with all of the people they want to do, then my impact is exponential. Um, and, and that's kind of what drove me in that direction. And that's so interesting because you're going from a medical field where you're still helping people to more of a, a spiritual energy field and taking all the information, kind of weaving it together, which I find fascinating. And it kind of gives you a really cool vantage point, I would think, from a client perspective, because you can see things that because of your training in both areas that other people can't see. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, so many people, you know, working in the entrepreneurial world can be quite stressful because you're responsible for everything, even if you don't do everything. And, um, and you know, your income depends on what you put out. So it, it can be quite stressful, especially around launches where there's lots of things on the to-do list. So uh, pain, uh, pain is a natural kind of expression of too much stress. 
and for some more than others. Um, that was one of the things that drove me to investigate some of these things is because early on I was getting stress symptoms in my 20s that were showing up as physical symptoms. So um, sleep issues, pain issues, um, uh, the ability to focus, getting confused, um, getting into modes of procrastination, those, those types of things can be stress-related and also ha uh, tied to your own energy habits. Yes, absolutely. And I always wonder and think, do you think that some or a lot of the things that we experience in our body as diseases or issues are because of stress and not you're, that you're actually injured in a way, if you know what I'm saying? Do you think that we manifest some of this ourselves? Well, from an energy perspective, when you're in stress, so just say that's uh, the, the starting point. You have stress, and then you end up having symptoms. It's not that they're psychosomatic. It's not that it's just in your head. They're really there, and they're really there because the energy shifts and the whole physiology shifts in response to the stress. So you have... Um, uh, I'm trying to remember the number that um, is a common number. It, it's it's over thousands of genes, over like 5,000 genes that get activated in a stress response. Oh, wow. I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. And now they're finding that your genes are actually uh, responding to stress and responding to your thoughts. So even before the thoughts turn into stress, they're responding to your thoughts. What? And they're responding to your subconscious thoughts. Uh-oh. Yeah, this is some new science that's out. Yeah. Whoa, okay. Now, let's talk about this. This is fascinating. So the subconscious, though, we know is, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but it's much, much higher than what your consciousness is, your conscious thoughts versus your subconscious thoughts, correct? Yes, uh, about 5% is used for memory and that active interaction with your memory. And 95% is said to be about the unconscious. And most of our decisions come, we make about 35,000 decisions a day. And most of those are from a subconscious level. Even when we think we've made a decision, it's made it's it's made its mind up in the subconscious, and then we become aware of that. Wow. <laughs> so you can imagine how important it is to get your arms around or try to get your arms around some or all of your subconscious thoughts that run as a ticker tape in the background. Yes. Yes. And there's lots of cool things you can do. I mean, just before sleep and just upon rising. Um, the wavelength changes in the brain and it opens up the access to the subconscious. So if you go to bed with listening to a tape of positive affirmations, or if you take some time to read something inspiring or to review your um, kind of like your uh, desire map for your future or for the next day, yes. something that's positive and you go to bed with that, then that's, that's really calming and rejuvenating and it gets in there deep. So, and I have also heard that if you ask a question that you don't, that you need answers to, if before bed you ask that question, then your subconscious goes to work while you're sleeping. Is that true? And kind yes. of gives you some answers? Absolutely. 
Okay. The subconscious never goes to sleep. So that runs 24 seven and it records and they have science around this too. It's really fascinating. Um, but it records everything. And so one of the examples of how they know that is that, um, uh, a woman uh, gave birth, they put her under anesthesia, and afterwards she told the doctor exactly what he said while she was, while he was delivering the baby wow. when she was under anesthesia. And there's, there's tons of research about that kind of thing. Wow. So everything, our subconscious picks up everything. It's there and it's working, operating all the time. Um, some of these practices like yogic sleep, Mm -hmm. is really beneficial because it helps to um, take that. It doesn't put the, the subconscious to sleep. What it does is it allows it, it, um, it aligns you so that your conscious mind and your unconscious mind can come to a resting place. And then as the, um, all of that material that's stored in there, instead of it popping up and triggering you all the time, it starts to recede and quiet and dissipate and neutralize. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a very restorative kind of practice. So it's, it's a really cool thing to do. You seem really passionate about this work. What has inspired you to want to really help so many clients and make an impact the way you have? You know, Julie, I think there's a lot of things that contributed to it. Uh, my father was, um, he was near a bomb that exploded in World War II. And so my whole life growing up, he was always in pain oh. and in and out of the hospital. Oh. And it was, you know, as a child, it's just hard to see your parents in pain and feel helpless about it. So I think that was part of what drove me. But there's other things. There's things like I just I just naturally have a desire to understand how things work and to solve a problem. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I'm always that person like, how they do that? Let me try and figure this out. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, and uh, I've always been more externally driven than internally driven. So it's like, let me help you. I, I can figure this out. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that. How, I know you gave me this question, and I'm really wanting to know the answer. How is looking a particular way different from what your, your essence or your energy expresses? Yes. Um, uh, that question was inspired by your um, interview with Cindy Porter, our friend Cindy Porter. Yes. And she's a style expert. And so I was thinking about the work that I do and how um, that interfaces with the work that she does, but yet is a, like another branch. And so if you look at the whole um, body knowledge around our, our, sub, our uh, nonverbal communication or any kind of communication that sends a message to the other person, which is very important in you know, I mean, with social media and people getting up on the stage um, because they're entrepreneurs and that's that's where they get to be seen, whether it's that or you're getting up in front of a local board meeting, no matter what it is, uh, within a few seconds, people make judgments about you. Yes. And a lot of them, again, are subconscious. <laughs> yes. And it's the subconscious ones that you'll just get this feeling like, 
you don't know why because they look nice and they have a nice smile and they're saying the right things but you're just going i i don't believe them or i don't i don't get them or i don't feel comfortable with them there's some kind of feeling that you get that you probably don't have a clue why it is but it's all that subconscious material that gets expressed and you know that when you're having a really bad day, it's really hard to hide some of that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard enough to try and hide it on your face, much less hide it from your energy. So even if you have that smile on your face, it's like that energy is still coming out like, uh-huh, yes. there's something going on and there's a discrepancy there. So um, style and color, don't get me wrong, is very important because the visual package is important to us as human beings. Uh, body language is another one, but body language, how you speak, what you speak about, and the quality of your voice and all gets expressed through whatever energy state you're in. So if you're, um, and I'll give you an example. So, so when we have a long to-do list and we're feeling pressured about time, we get kind of charged up and our energy lifts up. And especially when it's a lot of thinking, like if you're out in the garden and you're trying to get something done, it's a whole different thing because it's physical energy. But when you have to do thinking, 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 planning, 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 uh, writing, 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 all this stuff, computer, and on and on, the energy is all focused around the brain. Yes. And then when, when you get a little bit revved up about, I got a timeline, it actually lifts up out here. So when we're talking in our head bubble, uh, which is just a kind of fun way to talk about it, there's, there's a whole different quality of what is said. And when I drop down into my energy down into my core and into my base down around the pelvis, the quality of my voice shifts, I feel calmer. So what gets expressed comes out in a much different way. Um, you perceive me as much more present. Um, and in, and there's a juicing it, more of a juiciness to it there. It helps to open up the heart. So there's uh, more compassion being expressed, even if we're not saying, Oh, I'm sorry about what, you know, yes. you, can have, you can be in a compassionate state without having to say a bunch of stuff. So, um, and it gets expressed in your posture. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, you take an entrepreneur who's going to get on stage. And if they want to own the stage and they want to own the room and they want those people there to want to follow them. And aside from hear what she has to say, but, you know down the road um, and wants to be viewed as authentic because authority is not just enough anymore, then the best thing you can do is to really work with your energy. And if you've never, if you know, your audience hasn't worked with your energy before, this, this is, you know, something that needs to be taught because it's not, if you don't know how to do it, you don't know how to do it. You just have to have somebody teach you. So um, I have very specific practices that I do where I bring my energy down fully into my body, really connect with the earth, bring it back up to my belly, really connect to my belly, 
and really sink into that, sink into that, and um, and practice being able to talk and go about my day and hold that energy. So when you get on stage, if you've done enough practice, then you can do a quick quick reset to really amp it up. You go on stage, and there's a whole different presence that's being conveyed. It's thicker, it's juicier, it's authentic. Um, it's easier to find the stories and the flow rather than having to script something. Mm -hmm. um, and it gets, it gets perceived immediately within the audience and it captures people's attention. It's the difference between somebody you know, probably we've all seen people walk onto a stage or or do a performance of some sort where they were just so captivating versus somebody that was just like they just weren't they just weren't that good. Mm -hmm. And and that makes a difference. It really makes a difference in terms of how we're perceived. I know I've said that a few times, but it's it's an important point. Um, there was something else I was going to say about that, but now I don't remember. Do you think it's more because you are grounding yourself and opening up your energy to be received versus because you can hold yourself tight and make yourself small and, and close yourself off to other people, but it's more because you're grounding yourself, you're allowing your energy to spread out and so other people to receive you by slowing your breath down and really thinking about you know you're slower you're perceived as more authentic you're not searching for words because you're really here in this moment yes um that's a very good point that's a, a huge piece of this and the piece that I left out before is that when you don't do that and you get a little bit anxious, then all of the natural coping mechanisms that you've developed over the years come into play. So you mentioned shrinking. That's one example of what we do when we're uncomfortable. So there are certain styles of how we operate when we're under stress mm -hmm. and it, and it's expressed energetically. So, you know, even if the behavior is within acceptable range, the energy doesn't sit well with people. So it might be off-putting or it might be just people don't really want to engage with you. They just kind of ignore you or avoid you. Or um, So there's, there's these interactions and these dynamics that are driven by those coping mechanisms mechanisms when we get stressed out mm -hmm. so um so yes when you get yourself grounded you regulate your breath and you get in that fullness it naturally creates a fullness because once you open up and connect the natural flow because that's what we are is a natural flow of energy and exchange that does open up and it expands. And so people can feel into you and they can feel your presence and they feel safer in your company. So someone who's stressed out and the energy kind of gets squeezed up and out, they, they can't really feel you. So it's like, it, who's home? 
you know, sometimes we feel like we're talking to an empty vessel. So, uh, and how that gets expressed depends on what kind of coping mechanisms that they've learned to use from early on and probably have continued to use throughout their life. When we talk about success and being authentic is a huge part of being successful. You know, we, we look at like a Tony Robbins and he is who he is and his style, you, you know, everyone has a different style. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess my question is the flip side of that. Let's pretend that you've got someone that you're coaching who is trying to pivot or transition into something different. So they're going up on stage as a speaker, but they know in their heart that they've already mentally moved on to a different kind of client or a different subject matter, but they need to finish this off. I would think that that would come through subconsciously to the recipients that are listening versus because that person is kind of not appearing congruent. They're, they seem incongruent to the person. That's when you're talking about, I can't really put my finger on it. They seem like they're doing the right things. They look the part, but something's missing or something's just not jiving with me. Mm-hmm. Does that um, make sense when people are kind of like in transition or they've already decided to make a decision to move on to something else, but they maybe have to do this one last discussion or meeting or something of that sort. Uh, so you're talking about somebody who's literally transitioning to a new way of operating in their business. Yes. Yes. Versus the same changing a topic within um, yes. a, a conversation. Yes. Yeah. And how would that be perceived? Well, I think, I think your perceptions are quite accurate. I think that, well, it depends on how well somebody can really be present in the moment and still own whatever it is that they're providing at that time. If they've already bailed, if they've already emotionally bailed from it and they haven't taken the time to say, okay, yes, I'm definitely moving on to this new thing, but I have this commitment and I, I have to professionally provide what I said I would mm-hmm. and I need to do my best and so forth. So I think there are people who are, have cultivated enough awareness and enough um, ability to rein in their best and land it and ground it for that performance, so to speak. Yes. Um, and some people can't pull it off because they just, uh, they either don't have enough understanding of their own energy, how to shift it. Um, or they really just can't get their heart around that one last talk that they have to give. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and so they think they can pull it off because they know that they know the material. But we all know at this point that knowing the material, the content is it's important, but it's it's not the most important thing in and of itself. Because those other things, if you if people just feel something's off. They don't know if it's because they shouldn't trust the information. They shouldn't trust the person. They don't really understand exactly what it is. They just don't feel right about it. That person doesn't feel right to them. And so if it's all about making some sort of sale on their services or a product, it's probably not going to go well. So your work specifically impacts success and authenticity 
Can you give the listeners maybe a tip or a couple of ideas that they could use to integrate that into their lives to be more successful? Yes, absolutely. Um, Awareness is the starting point for all of this. And it sounds like, well, it's just, so what? Be aware of it. But for one thing, you, you cannot uh, make a change in your behavior or your energy without the awareness that you need to in that moment. And much of this is blind spots because it's not, it's not, easily seen. It's something that you feel. And we've all been kind of trained not to give much credence to our feelings, but yet they kind of know at us. So awareness is a huge piece. And it's a starting point for all spiritual practices. Why? Because if you don't have the awareness, then you can't really focus at more subtle levels and go inward in a way that you can pay attention to subtle information because the inner world is all about subtle information. It's not about, you know, being able to hold a mouse. It's, it's more conceptual. It's more energetic, um, much more around space and rather than form. So, and awareness, there is a practice of awareness, and a lot of people call it mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You don't have to call it mindfulness, but it is a, uh, there, there is a mindfulness component. Um, and that is to make a decision. So say people are um, procrastinating or avoiding, there's something in their life that they really want to bring forward, and they, they're not seeing themselves get closer to it. And so they need to really take a look and say, okay, well, Um, There must be something that's going on that I'm not noticing that a reason why I'm not getting closer to this goal. So you decide in that morning that you are going to pay attention to everything that you do and notice if you're just jumping right into it and completing it, or if you're stalling, if you're digging in your heels, what are you doing or are you choosing to do something else that's easier, that's faster, What is it that you're doing? And it's just a practice of noticing throughout the day. And by the end of the day, you're going to go, oh, my gosh, I had no idea how much I was procrastinating over doing these three things that would shift and move me forward in a huge way just because I have some discomfort with it. Either it's something new or somehow there's resistance coming up from the subconscious to keep you safe because you feel a little bit of fear. Yes. Um, so the awareness practice is, is a huge step because then when you notice that, then you can say, okay, do I need help getting over this fear? Or can I just look it in the face and say, you know what, if I break it into these smaller steps, um, if I do a little research and, and realize that this is really a project, not an, action and then look at okay what are all the actions I have to take to make this project move and what is the simplest action that I can take now and if you keep breaking it down and you make it simple for the mind and it relaxes the mind then you can usually take action on it I'm writing this down because this is a good one so this what is the simplest action you can take now 
And I truly believe in bite-sized action. So I'm a very big picture person, always sitting at that 30,000 foot view, which is great, but it's also uh, difficult. And the disconnect comes when I want to be here, there, but I'm here. And I'm thinking, just pretend you're a speaker and you're seeing yourself on this large stage with, you know, filling up a whole auditorium. That's a completely different picture than if you've never spoken um, and you want that, but you also have to remember you've got to start to walk and crawl before you can walk. So you need to take those smaller bite-sized actions. Maybe you need to speak at your church or at a group meeting like Rotary or where there's 20 people, right? Yes. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I feel like that's right in your wheelhouse in terms of how that disconnect happens to people that they're reaching for the big brass ring, but yet we're over here. We haven't even kind of started down that road yet. Yes. You know, the, the end, the end goal of being, you know, part of that end piece is like being in front of a big stage and being successful, everybody listening to you and being captivated and yes. how good that feels. Right. Cause we yes. watch the Olympics and we see what, a, how amazing it is for somebody to nail a performance and to get that goal. Right. And we yes. all want that. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. Everybody wants that. Yes, in their own version of it. So that's what we have sitting up here kind of as a motivator to, okay, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. And uh, and then, like you said, there's this disconnect because what happens is the subconscious starts raising all these objections. Every time we try and up-level, every time we try and um, grow ourselves in a bigger way, the our systems are wired for safety and resistance kicks in and goes, ah, that's too much work. I don't know if I can do it. And a lot of this is like subconscious chatter. You may not even be aware of those words. Sometimes they'll surface, but sometimes they won't. And you'll get a little bit confused and go, but yeah, how do I get there from here? And okay, well, let me just work on my website today. Yes. <laughs> yes, it happens all the time because it's it's too difficult, it's too big or or it's just a feeling that you have like, oh, I'm going to go do this because it's comfortable and easy, right? Yes, yes. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing that to help you feel good enough about moving forward on the difficult pieces. But when it's keeping you consistently from moving forward in what you want to do, it's not because, as Stephen Pressfield says, there's a life we live and then there's the unlived life within and between the two stands resistance. So, so that's what's happening. It's really resistance. So how do you, how do you manage that? Well, you can manage it from an energetic standpoint, um, doing practices that'll get you regrounded and, and really present because it also makes you more intuitive and you will intuit or you will even get messages as to this is, this is what, where you need to be next, or this is what you need to do right at this moment. Um, next, you need to satisfy the organization of the mind because when we're, when the outside is disorganized, the inside's disorganized. When the inside's disorganized, the outside's disorganized. So they're a uh, reciprocal relationship. So a great thing to do is just to do uh, mind dumping. And that's just a practice where you take a piece of paper and you just write everything down that's in your head. And then you can go back and look at it, right? So no censoring, just keep writing. 
line after line after line, you know, yeah. like, like your to-do list or anything that comes into your mind. But if you're trying to dump all the projects and all of that out, then, um, you know, you can kind of orient it towards that. And then afterwards, then you can look at it and say, all of these things that I thought were to do things are really just daily routines. Yes. And I just need to be uh, kind of like aware. You can post them on the kitchen door or something and go, okay, just glance at it and go, is there something on that list I haven't done today that I'm supposed to, or can I put it off till tomorrow? Is it, you know, and then, and then there's the things that are specific appointments you have. And then there's all the project stuff. So you might have household projects, personal projects, your business projects, under business projects, then you have sub projects. So if you're doing, um, like I'm doing a, um, an exposure media uh, course right now, well, package. And so there's certain things I have to do. I have to write out all of my one minute scripts. And then I'm going to have to video all those one minute scripts. And I have to meet with the person who's doing the editing and um, and then I have to set up emails and so there's all these different things and you just keep listing them out until you come to the easiest next step okay um, so when it comes to getting on stage like you said uh, if that's a goal if that's the direction you're moving in then yes make your list of all the local people you can call for making uh, speaking gigs that are you know, just small, simple things to do and start putting yourself out there. So there might be, you have to, you have to set up a time to research. You have to make sure you have the phone numbers then you have to make the contacts and you have to do the follow-up calls. You have to have um, some kind of information about yourself, like a one media sheet that you can give them if they want it. Um, you have to, have, have something prepared to talk about. So there's all these things and you can prioritize what comes next um, and just keep breaking it down to smaller and smaller pieces. Because bite-sized pieces are more, uh, they're easier to chip away at and they're going to give you the win uh, versus, I'd love you to, for you to talk about this because this just came up for me with a, with a coach that I'm working on. And it's about reframing success and what success looks like. So when we talk about that, that big brass ring, whatever, whatever that is for you, um, I always thought of success as money in the bank and clients. I never thought of success as all the small wins that you have every single day. And what that did was because I was only focusing up on that big, huge thing that I is far away from me. I was only focusing on that. So I'm only focusing on the negative because it's not here yet. It's not here yet. I'm getting impatient. So mm. all of the good things that were happening, I wasn't all the conversations, all the opportunities to co-create uh, working out. Those are all wins, right? Can Absolutely. You, can you talk about that? Because I think that's really important. This just was new to me. I had this aha moment and now I'm asking a lot of professionals like yourself because I feel like so many of us focus on the things that we don't have versus the things that we do. And I know it's easy to say that, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, I am glad you asked that question because I'm going to take it back down to energy again. 
when we support ourselves with positive things or responding to something as positive, seeing it as positive, choosing to see it as positive, seeing the innate uh, progression of things and having appreciation for that, it helps us with what we were talking about earlier of being really present, of being in a flow, of being more intuitive, of attracting more people, attracting more of what we want. And it just opens up and expands our energy field. Oh, so, you know, so much of this is um, cultural training yes. and training from maybe being employed previously. And so, so we constantly have to look at how it is that we're looking at things and how is, how is that landing in ourselves and is it serving us? So like you said, having that money and the clients as the only win does not serve you because it keeps you beat down every day. Right. Because every day you're not, you know, if you don't get a new client and more money in your hand, then it's not a successful day. Right. So, um, so one of the, you know, one of the solutions is to do a gratitude journal or have a gratitude breakfast practice where you just kind of sit there and uh but here's the key the key is that if it's all from right up here yes it's from an intellectual place and you're not connecting in with your body and so there's there's no agreement so you'll say the words but it's like yeah i don't feel it right so you have to really just say okay i'm gonna get in my feet I'm going to get in my belly and I'm going to get in my heart. My head's already got full of stuff in there. You don't have to worry about that. Get in my heart and then just sit there and look around and go, what's going on in the world? And what do I have to be grateful for? Yes. Thank God I'm not being impeached. Yes. Thank, thank, thank you for, uh, I'm not going to even touch that one. Thank you. For <laughs> Nobody wants to get impeached. So I just, nobody wants it. to get impeached, but, <laughs> uh, but thank you for like, I'll just take my spouse. Right. So thank you for my husband, but not instead of just writing down, thank you for my husband and on to the next one. You're thinking, thank you for my husband. I'm so, I'm so thankful that I have someone that loves me and you take it a little farther until you really feel it. Right. Feel into it. Yeah. Feel it. Feel you it. have to feel it. Cause that rises your vibration, right? Gratitude. It raises. opens the heart. Yes. yes, it does. Yes. It raises the vibration and it opens the heart. And anytime we're in a more open space, we're more creative. We're more calm so that we think more clearly. Yes. Um, and we make better choices and we usually end up doing more of the things that get us in the direction that we want to go. And people can feel that from you, right? They can yeah. feel that your field has changed and they, they feel that love and connection with you versus you just going from your head. And as an empath and intuitive, we're always in our heads, right? So the challenge for us is to go down and to, to really ground ourselves and get feeling in our bodies. And another good way is working out. Now you mentioned Qigong, which, you know, my very good friend, Alana does as well. And this is the second or third time I've heard this recently over the last week, which never happens. So I have to be prompted because I'm saying, talk about Qigong a little. I'd love to know a little bit more about that and how that's helped you. Oh, sure. 
Um, I started doing Qigong when I was in my early 20s and I was, um, you know, I had all this preparation for school, from school to do my job. And yet I never felt like I knew enough or had enough experience when I was with a client. And it's true, anybody that graduates in, in a field in the beginning, you're going to feel that way. Mm-hmm. For me, it was extremely uncomfortable and extremely stressful. And so a friend of mine recommended Qigong, and um, and it, it was life-changing for me because I found out that my energy was way up here because of the stress, and it taught me to go down and get grounded. So one of the one of the core practices is to um, is to stand with your knees slightly bent and your feet kind of a natural width apart and to just make your body erect so that it opens up the flows and um, and then to take your attention systematic systematically down through the body then down from the hips to the knees, to the ankles, to the feet, sink into the ground about eight or 10 feet, and then actually pair it with breath and inhale up the legs to the belly. So Qigong is always about uh, where your mind goes, the energy goes. Okay. So your energy, your, your attention, your focus, your tension, and uh, your breath, when you pair them together, it's very powerful for moving energy. And uh, Qigong is really about harnessing the energy of the earth and the sky to bring them into the body and to circulate through the body and to clear out any restrictions or sluggishness or whatever patterns there are and to open all of that up. And then you learn how to contain that energy which really helps with boundaries, and um, and it's there. There's over thirty-five thousand practices, so it's hard to say exactly. You know, if you pick a particular practice, you could talk about exactly that. But for the most part, it's all about working with your mind, how you focus your attention, where you focus your attention, and working with your breath to circulate the energy through the systems of the body. Very cool. Very cool. I have to look into that. Since sounds like something that's a life you could be a lifelong practitioner of. Oh yes. Yes. It becomes a lifestyle. And you know, so much of the other work that I do is is blended with that now because energy healing is all about energy that's focused on healing someone else. Uh Qigong is about working your own energy system. And in the art of feminine presence, uh one of the other tr- you know, things that I teach women to become more empowered is many of those practices are based on those simple principles. Mm. So whether it's Qigong or whether it's um, Tibetan yoga or, you know, there's lots of different practices that have, um, you know, even Tai Chi has similar as part of that whole family of attention and moving energy. Yeah. It's just that Qigong is really powerful. It's really powerful. They used it to um, strengthen and train the military oh, wow. so that they were more powerful. It was used to train the martial artists. 
Um, so it, it's, you know, the reason why people can cut boards with a hand is because their, their mind is leading the energy. And so it's really the energy and the focused attention that's breaking that board, not the, not the physical hit. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about your mission and that you had mentioned, I think that your life is an expression of who you are and allowing yourself who you want to be. Yes. Um, I just love to see people shine. I hate, I, I just really hate to see people suffer. And most of the suffering that happens has to do with our thoughts and a cultural, um, just really subconscious cultural training. So whether it happens in the home um, or whether it happens as we kind of go about our day and, you know, the marketing um, about what's important, whether it's about clothes or makeup or food or whatever it is, it's all about these external things that sometimes we can't have because we we're not making that kind of money or whatever it is. Uh, so there's lots of suffering. They're suffering. I can't believe that, that kids, young kids are having plastic surgery. The number of women that have contacted me, I do, uh, one of the things I, I'm skilled at is uh, manual lymphatic drainage and the number of women, young women who are getting plastic surgery and, and it, it's pretty traumatic to go through uh, the swelling and the whole healing process takes, um, well, the beginning stages is really three to four months. It really takes a full year to recover from it. But, but the first two months are very uncomfortable and I'm like, well, I'm just curious, like, why did you have this done? And it's, it's really about, you know, well, I got my butt enlarged because that's what, that's what guys like and that's what's popular or, you know, so there's, there's these cultural influences on us that if we can't have what they're saying we should have, you know, we think that we're lacking or missing something. Mm-hmm. Yes. From that to having traumatic experiences, whether it's, um, you know, a suicide in the family or sexual abuse or whatever it is. So there's this whole range of things that ca cause us a lot of misery. And I, I had to work really hard to find the things that would help me out of my misery. Mm -hmm. Right. And. Um, and help my clients when I was working with patients at the hospital and so forth. And there's no read. There's so much available to us now. There's so many spiritual practices that have been gifted to us from indigenous cultures that have never been available to the common person before. There's so many, um, you know, technical things that we have access to. There's absolutely no reason why we can't shift our experience and enjoy and just be, have a really nice life despite no matter how much you make, despite all those external things, you can have happiness, you can have contentment, you can have fulfillment, and it doesn't necessarily depend on anything else except how you relate to yourself 
on the inside. Right, right. And I'm so glad you brought that up because a lot of it's probably 99% of it is internally and how we think about ourselves and the image that we see of ourselves may not in many, many cases be what other people see. So you, as women, many women have low self-worth and that low self-worth is the the bottom layer of a lot of other, um, uh, the way that you act can come out and manifest itself. And so many times they, people can't even acknowledge that. It can take years and years and years to acknowledge that yourself, let alone to anybody else. And when you do, a lot of people don't know what to say to that. So culturally, you know, you can see the programs on TV and they've got the big butts and they've got, you know, the eyes, everything's got to be perfect, but we are not perfect. We're perfect the way we are. But I, I guess what I'm saying is it comes back to um, you liking yourself. And I struggle with that for years. I know probably so many women do because women get hit harder than anybody else on the planet with how you look at a certain age mm-hmm. and the way you dress and all that stuff. Right. And then you feel bad if you can't have Chanel and you feel bad if you can't have Gucci. Right. And then there's something wrong with you because you're not making enough to have that. And it's like a little, all these thoughts spinning. So your self image becomes a really big problem and uh, it can hinder your success because success is really happiness. Yes. Yeah. I'd love you to talk a little bit about that because we're getting low on time, but I, I feel like that's a huge, I feel like a lot of listeners may be struggling with self, low self worth. Yes. And, and what, what, what could you offer or what could you recommend that might help them start going in the right direction? Well, from my own experience, even, even when you have success, even when um, you have knowledge, okay? So, so there came a point where my teachers were telling me, you know, you have so much to offer and you don't ever seem to believe it. And I had to really take a look at that and go, you know what? I hear them say, I hear them, you know, hear the, hear this, these very high ranking people in indigenous cultures that are asking me to heal them. And I'm like, why are they asking me to heal them? And so I'm like, okay, it must be time for me to practice. <laughs> <laughs> And yet they're telling me, they're saying, you know, you're talented, you're skilled, you have, you have these things that uh, you should be proud of. And, and yet you don't, you don't even believe it. And I could feel that disconnect. I could hear all the positive things they were saying. And I was like, yeah, I can do those things. And, but I didn't feel the value and the worth of it in myself. It was like, and I didn't believe it in myself. Yes. And this is what made the difference for me. And this is after years of practicing a lot of things, but you know, sometimes we just have to keep piling things together and putting pieces together. And then finally the last piece goes, ah, that's what it was. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And the final piece for me, and it's a, what I have found working with clients, 
is it's really powerful. So this applies for men and women because we basically have the, you know, the same core physical structure in terms of we all have hips, right? We all have a pelvis. We all have a heart space and a chest. For men, the location's a little bit different, uh, but for, and I'll speak to, to women first, okay? So when you learn to really dig deep and dive deep into the presence of your physical body, that is our vessel for everything. That's why we're here. We're here because we wanted a body. We're spirits and bodies. And when we're in spirit form, we're, we're yearning to be in a physical body. And this is our opportunity to be in it. But with the way we've developed as a culture, <clears throat> and there's so much stress and pushing forward and onward and distractions, that we get so dissipated from our body that most, much of the time we're not fully in our body. And maybe we've never even learned how to ever be fully in our body because of trauma, which we jump out of our body when we're in a trauma state. So what I finally was able to do was do enough pelvic work to actually rest my attention in my pelvis and to clear out some things that were there and to really work with that space and to, to expand it over into my hips. And it wasn't until I started doing, working with that practice that I, I literally went, oh, I get it. I've been trained for nearly 30 years in indigenous practices that my teachers are now dying and it's time for me to pass this on because who else is going to, right? Their, you know, their lineage is dissipating. So, so in terms of an energetic practice, you know, whatever you can do to get started in either a Qigong practice or the art of feminine presence um, or get some energy healing work and, and have them teach you how to really work with your pelvic energy. That is the house for our physical worth. Mm. You know, that is our physical house of creativity. We create babies and we take nothing and make it into a baby. It's the physical manifest manifester of our body. And when you get in touch with that physicality, there's no denying the worth. It was like I was immediately able to raise my prices. I hadn't been able to raise my prices for years. I just couldn't make myself do it. Wow. <laughs> and it was like, once I made that connection, it was like, it's time to raise my prices. Wow. <laughs> on this, and I have a lot to give. So it was a huge, huge shift. It was a huge shift. So any of the embodiment work, that goes back to working in the pelvis is it's a way for you to experience your worth from the inside because anytime you get it from the outside it's subject to this this doesn't, doesn't mean anything right right and it's also subject to other people's thoughts on it right just because yeah. so and so thinks it's great doesn't mean that you think it's a great fit for you right and one day somebody's saying you're beautiful and you're kind and you're this and you're that. And the next day somebody's saying you're a fraud and you're mean and you're this and you're that. Right. You know, if you if you put all your stock in that, you're on the roller coaster. Right. And 
the bottom line is don't let other people grade your paper. Right. So we have to learn that that's another huge tip that I got uh, years ago was do not let other people grade your paper. You can he hear what they say and look at it, but do not let them grade it. You then make the determination if you need to make a change or if you're just where you're supposed to be and leave the judgment out. Right. Right. Leave the judgment out. The judgment is killer judging yes. judging others judging yourself it's it's not good yes and the more that you can keep your energy level up the easier this is to do it's when we get uh when we get depressed or when we're deflated in some way it's really hard to uh counter that you have to have enough energy in your body enough buoyancy to see the other side and go you know what this is just someone else's opinion and and besides which i don't ever let anybody grade my paper so Let's look at, see what they said and see if I need to make adjustments and course corrections. And if I don't, that's, that's it. Just that's keep awesome. going. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you were on today, Melinda. You're amazing. I'm so thankful that you gave us some time today. I'm going to have all the links below for you to reach out to her. And I suggest that you do reach out to her because she's amazing. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, we met and we talked and I've got all the links. I've got your Facebook and your Twitter and your Instagram and your Skype. Can you tell people the best place to find you and maybe talk about your gift? Yes. Um, well, first of all, Julie, I just want to say thank you so much for the invitation to be on your show. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, we had a, a, a really special connection back in February, I think it was. And uh, I was so looking forward to this and it was lots of fun. I'm so glad. I'm so glad we did this. Yeah. And I, I love being around your horse energy because I don't get to be around horses, but you really carry that energy. <laughs> I was always there, this one. <laughs> well, yeah, you do, you do lots of work with horses. Yeah. Yes. So that's exciting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'd love to come see your horses someday. Yes. So thank you so much. Um, people can find me at www.mbroadstone.com. And uh, there's an energy style quiz that will be ready for you. And it will um, give you insight into like what category you tend to um, operate with your energy when you're a little bit stressed and the coping mechanisms come out. Why? Because it's probably a blind spot. And if you would like to make a shift in your energy and how people perceive you, then you have to know what you're doing with it and learn how to manage it, learn how to harness it in a different way. And um, yeah, so I would love you to take that uh, little quiz and get some insight and feel free to give me a contact and we can talk about what it all means. Absolutely. So I'll have all of her information as well as the link to the quiz below. So I would, I would definitely reach out to her because she's been doing this a long time. She has a lot of knowledge and she's an amazing person to help you see your blind spots and, and to really get you to where you want to go. Right. Because 
we all change and we all want different things and we all have different goals and she's the person that can get you there. So thank you for being here today. I'm so thankful we were able to do this. I had such a good time with you as I knew I would. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. We could probably sit here for a couple more we hours. Could, right? We could, we could, we <laughs> could. But um, I thank you and I hope you guys enjoyed this and we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you, Julie. Thank you.